for years, we've been promised end-to-end tracing and visibility of product as it journeys through the supply chain. Are we there yet? Hi, everybody. I'm Bob Bowman, Editor-in-Chief of Supply Chain Brain, and this is the Supply Chain Brain Podcast. Shippers crave data about the location, status, and condition of their products as they move to market. In fact, we've had this notion of true end-to-end visibility dangled before us for decades. Yet for the most part, we're still falling short of the dream. What's holding it back? And might we finally be on the verge of success? That's what I'll be talking about today with Cindy Elliott, Global Lead for Manufacturing and Supply Chain Industry with Esri, a provider of geographic mapping software and location intelligence. We'll delve into the reasons why supply chain visibility has proved such a huge challenge to bring about, and the changes we've seen in recent years that might finally be making it possible. But first, we need what she calls a major mindset transformation. So here is my conversation with Cindy Elliott. Cindy Elliott, welcome to the show. Thank you, Bob. It's great to be here. Cindy, it feels like since the dawn of time, virtually, we've been talking about tracking and tracing and end-to-end visibility in global supply chains. Obviously, we haven't quite reached that dream yet, but maybe we're getting closer and closer all the time. I don't know. That's what we can talk about today. But to start with, what is it exactly that we are tracking today? I think it really depends, Bob, on who you're talking to. Um, obviously, there's if you think about the curve, there's a lot of advanced companies that are tracking down at the pallet level or even the individual box level. But that's not the norm, right? That's really on the far end of that. I would say what I see more and more is tracking at the, the container, the chassis level, the uh, shipping. And what this means, though, is that the tracking that's happening, from what I can see, still the information of what's being gathered is still very disparate, Mm -hmm. still siloed. And it's really about who has possession of that asset at that given time, that it's not an end-to-end tracking or visibility. It's still very much siloed into who has possession of that component, that chassis, that container at that moment in time. Where are typically the so-called black holes where all of a sudden you lose track of something for a time? From the shipper's perspective, I really believe that happens when it is um, handed off into a third party to move it from one place to another. There might be some contractual obligations sometimes to information sharing, but that might be days after, weeks after the performance level needs to be evaluated, not as much about that real-time tracking. I think what's really going to be a compelling factor here is that individually and personally, our phones are our own real-time tracking now. Right? And that hasn't moved in mainstream, in my opinion, yet to the supply chain logistics industries. And when you think about where the black holes are and what's inhibiting that is that when a third party takes possession of what's being trackable, they're under no obligation necessarily to share that information one way or the other. And so the black holes to me are when equipment and products change possession, not ownership per se. And that's where I feel like the real crux is about when we get mainstream is when these data gaps are able to be bridged 
and communications can flow between stakeholders through that end-to-end supply chain. So it's not about the inability of the technology or the telecommunications. It really is about the traditional lack of connection between the different providers along the network. Well, the first thing you want to know is the very simple question of where is it? Now, I know that there's, in the ensuing years, we've come to demand much more information than the mere location of a container or a shipment, but even that sometimes can fall through the cracks, can it not? For instance, in the case of a container that's buried deep in the hold of a container ship halfway across the ocean, do we lose track at that point, or are we still able to know where that container is at any given time and and its contents as well? Yeah, I think there's a a lot of what we think we know right now is based on a lot of assumptions, right? We know we dropped that container at the harbor. We know that that container, we were told by paperwork, the container got picked up. We were told by the ship that it had sailed, and we were told by the port of destination that the ship arrived. So there's a lot of assumptions and, and kind of best hope travels with those things. But I'm not sure if you were introduced at all. There's an initiative around the port of Rotterdam around something called Container 42. The Port of Rotterdam is not in the business of building connected containers, but they're trying to forge uh, integration, a completely vertically integrated network that allows the real-life telecommunications to stay on and connected through that whole assumptive network I just talked about. And what that ambition is, and Bob, I'm happy to explain that in any detail you like, but Container 42, the initiative is that how do these traditionally disparate providers and suppliers along the network agree to participate in an open communications framework that allows not only for the container to be brought to the port and stay connected when it's loaded onto the ship, but it's also building intelligence into the container that can tell when and at what time, when and where that container might have been opened, what product or boxes in that container were either removed or changed. What weather did that container go through? Is it at the 10 rows down, seven columns high? Where exactly was that container in point? And the connected container isn't just about finding out where it's at, but what it went through to from point to point. And what's interesting about that is the whole initiative around this is if you start doing this intelligent container network and system, containers will even talk to each other while they're on the ship and the containers can talk to the ships. And so, I mean, that's a more advanced model, but you know, Port of Rotterdam with several different partners in that network now have made a lot of progress in at least proving the opportunity of what is possible, even if it's not mainstream at this time. Pretty ambitious. I, I'm guessing or thinking that the name Container 42 comes from Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, in which 42 <laughs> is the answer to life, the universe, and everything. If memory serves, is this the answer to life, the universe, and everything? Is this is this the great, the holy grail of all tracking, do you think? It has that ambition. What's interesting is to seeing the network and the providers in that network coming together, because I think as much as I mentioned the technology is not the inhibitor, there's still, it's the traditional process, and and there's a lot to baggage, if we want to say, real life that gets in the way of some of this improvement mm-hmm. and some of these ambitions. But that's helping to continue to break down the barriers of mindsets, and I think the barriers of tradition will be a, a big part of whether we can see that future or that 42 of what's possible. In the past, in the early days of tracking data, it seemed like a lot of carriers were selling it 
as a service that they provided and it was proprietary to them. Now it seems like the answer is that they have to shed that vanity and everybody report to a central holding place where all the information flows in and it's no longer owned, quote unquote, by any one of those carriers. Is that correct? I think there's a a lot of different ways that this can come about. And I appreciate from a standpoint of a carrier or even a telecommunications provider that they're going to want to get their ROI based on the investment. But so often we think about just using connectivity as where is something right now. But I think the greater opportunity and value of that data that's being collected and analyzed is about contributing to continuous process improvement. So I think that offering the real-time services of helping to track and and understand where things are can be the, the entry point to forging a relationship with the supplier or the distribution needs. But it's that next level of analysis that actually is a greater opportunity, not only for the carrier, but for their customers as well. And I think that Shedding the surface level deep or superficial notion that it's understanding where something is now is very valuable, but that's not the only business transformation opportunity available as a result of this data. The big buzzword we hear in connection with all this is digital, the digital supply chain. I'm not always sure what that word means exactly, but in this context, what is a digital supply chain as it relates to the ability to carry out this pinpoint kind of tracking system? It's interesting you bring that up because more and more in the the work that I do and the conversations that I have is that there is this ambiguity or kind of maybe lack of exact definition of the digital supply chain. I believe that there's similar to our regular supply chain, there's very much different aspects of it. And so I've started to separate in, in my mind the difference between digital supply paperwork and transactional processing. Can we move bills of lading digital? Can we move the financial transaction to something that's more digitally enabled and empowered? But then there's also the digital network, right? Mm. Being able to see physical assets in a digital twin concept and that's where generally the, where I focus on as well now because business process automation is one aspect of what can greatly be improved in the digital or in the supply process. And getting those dwell times in the harbors or at the terminals contracted or collapsed because you're doing paperwork digitally. But when you start to really think about tracking, tracing, real-time and um, insights, That's about digitizing the supply network. And I think about it as similar to a product digital twin. There's a digital twin for the supply network that not only is showing you digitally today where everything is, but it has the ability to roll back time and be able to see over time and space where Mm -hmm. do disruptions continuously occur. Where are things off their planned routes or off their planned transportation and logistics normals? And I think it's that level of digital twin of the network that I think is where the connectivity and the relationship between the different providers and and nodes in the network really have this opportunity. But what we still see and what I see every day, kind of witnessing it a bit now and where we are, is that so few participants in the digital network or in the supply network even can tell you where their base network maps out, right? And where do these things come together? So the fact is, until they digitize at least the ability to see their network 
again, in a digital context, to then think tracking and alerting is going to add any value, well, you can't do one without the other. And I think mm-hmm. that the, these ad hoc tracking initiatives, but maybe in one part of the network, don't really serve a, a greater purpose. You also seem to be suggesting that this digital supply chain can be used not just to track on a one-off basis, like I want to know where my container is right now, but also detect, as you say, patterns where things typically Mm. go wrong, thereby you moving forward, you can fix those things and prevent future incidents, correct? That's exactly right, Bob. I like the word pattern because a pattern may happen in a couple of days' time and you can immediately be working your way around it so you can see it. But a pattern to be able to go back, and I used the expression before, roll back the clock, right? Mm-hmm. Be able to go back and layer days and weeks and months of real life over time and be able to extract those patterns and make improvements. And this also helps partnering, right? We talk about that that network of, of partners between the supplier, the manufacturer, the distributor, the freight forwarder, the carrier, the ship. By being able to see these things, you can come now through evidence to have these conversations about how to remove obstacles, how to remove disruptions, or at least mitigate and start to mainstream and and streamline the end-to-end of that network that you described earlier in the conversation. You have not yet used the words artificial intelligence, but when I think pattern-seeking, first of all, I think the human brain, and secondly, I think of that as exactly what AI is meant to do, is to mimic the human brain's pattern-detecting abilities. So can AI be of value in what we're talking about here? Absolutely, and, and I think that is that next step of maturity on the cycle, right? because you, you're right. You wouldn't take these months of layers of supply performance and put them in front of any one person. But what it's interesting about the application of AI at this point, not only is it going to serve up things related to patterns that are disrupting or patterns that are inhibiting your supply performance as a whole, but it may be able to show where should you be going instead? What is your alternate next best route that you should be thinking about. Because over time, as we see across the globe always, is that the evolution of capacities on our seas is increasing and the capacity for more and more air cargo, more and more freight cargo. AI can not only tell you what's occurring and has been occurring that is maybe slowing your supply network down, it can start to point to areas that you can't even see yet because it's seeing a pattern emerging and not just a pattern that has already passed. None of this, of course, touches upon the question of what you do with all that data, even if you can get it. Like what happens? How do you react when a container is dropped, a container is damaged, it loses temperature control inside, the cargo inside is is in danger? I imagine, is that a whole other discussion or is that something that companies are doing a better job of or need to? That's an interesting question because what I think about as well is that so often when companies do start to track and turn their assets on, they're constantly being pushed noise. It's like that background radio noise you used to hear. But the thing is, when you're tracking and visualizing everything, Mm -hmm. you could almost see nothing, if that makes sense. And what um, technology can do and what some of that AI and that advanced analytics is able to do is being able to serve up what's not normal, right? You want to keep that background of tracking and gathering data normal all the time, but with the level of sensors now, it's not even, as you mentioned before, it's not just telling you where something is. It can tell you if it's been suffered an impact of some magnitude. It can tell you if the temperature 
has exceeded highs or lows that would compromise the, the cargo inside. And many times, as we mentioned before as well, that now they're being able to seal them and you just think about the ability to, to digitally open and close and lock and secure, whether it's a container, it's a chassis or something, being able to show when there, something has been opened and compromised potentially using digital technologies. And so now you once you can connect and turn things on, you're not just getting location and time, you're getting all the additional insights around impact and temperatures and whether something has been opened and closed outside of its requirements. And that starts to help the shipper as the management provider to understand down to a very specific point in time when that container was compromised. And I'm going to say at the container level now, but we hear more and more about blockchain. What blockchain really has the opportunity to do is to be able to provide and ensure the safety and quality of a product throughout its transit, right, throughout its distribution. Mm -hmm. All of the technology we're talking about now helps to contribute to blockchain, right, and being able to secure because it's not just about place and time, temperatures and such. The challenge with that is that you have to have that network all connected, going back to the way we started this conversation, that blockchain is nearly impossible if the different participants in the possession of the product aren't participating in the maintaining the connectivity all the way through. All right. So we've talked about a lot of wonderful things, but we also, I think, can agree that they are not all completely mature and in existence at the moment. So how close are we to the idea where this stuff just becomes so damn reliable and so good <laughs> that literally information replaces inventory? How far away are we from that becoming a reality? No, unfortunately, Bob, I, I feel, again, that it's the mindset of many of the participants in our supply ecosystem globally that are the greatest inhibitors to what can be accomplished in this regard. And like most technologies and most innovation and most transformation, it has been not the technology, but the process and the constituents that really have delayed the transformation and the, and the possibility of improvement. I believe our governments have a large role to play here, but it's going to be innovative organizations that trust and experiment and push everybody forward. I think one of my favorite examples to talk about a major transformation in an industry is if you would have told me six or seven years ago that I would get into a stranger's car and give my bank information on my phone in order to be automatically charged to get into a stranger's car, I would have told you you were insane. There's no way. Mm -hmm. But when we think about what Uber and Lyft and other organizations have done to completely disrupt a, such a traditional model of shared rides, taxis and such, I'm optimistic and believe that all of us have a role to play in having the same type of major mindset transformation occur in the supply chain. And it will take pockets of true innovators that are willing to break the norm and improve the model. And supply chain, I believe, is one of the more entrenched in our current mindsets that will need to be disrupted quite significantly. But I believe now with what we're experiencing with a global crisis right now, it has shined a light on how absolutely ill-prepared we were globally for digitally understanding and mm -hmm. understanding real-time locations of 
and availability to the essential products that we need, not only for our health care systems and our workforce, but for meeting retail needs and food needs and food supply. And I feel like we're in an opportunity right now in this moment of time to lean into our supply chain ecosystem and just have higher expectations coming well, out of it. Some really good lessons to be learned and some really exciting technology that we have now and even more in the future. Whether the number 42 is the answer or not, I don't know. But Sydney Elliott, I want to thank you so much for enlightening us on the subject of tracking, tracing, and the like. Very uh, interesting conversation. Thanks very much for being with us today. Thank you, Bob. Really appreciate it. That was my conversation with Cindy Elliott of Esri, talking about the prospects for true supply chain visibility. We're online at www.supplychainbrain.com, where we post a new episode of this podcast for streaming or downloading every Friday. You can also read my Think Tank blog, watch thousands of videos, and access all of our other content, including the digital edition of our magazine. Look for us on Facebook and LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter, at SCBrain. You can also download or subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Got any comments or suggestions on this or any episode? Email me at rbowman at supplychainbrain.com. Stay well and see you next time. <laughs>